Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Andy Staples on 3 Harbaugh Watch 2024. Completely different from Harbaugh Watch 2023 and Harbaugh Watch 2022. And then it's it's happened a little earlier, I think, than last time. But yeah, it is it is Jim Harbaugh watch. We are once again waiting to see what happens with Jim Harbaugh and the NFL. We know he interviewed with the Chargers on Monday, not because Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or all of the usual NFL reporters reported it. No, the Chargers tweeted it out. We've completed an interview with Jim Harbaugh for head coach. If you click on the link, it's basically a biography of Jim Harbaugh. It's a, you know five questions about who the guy is that might be the next Chargers coach. It might be coaching Justin Herbert. But it's so funny as someone who covers college football where every, every college coaching search, every head coaching search is like a papal conclave. Like, we will not tell you anything. In fact, the other day when Alabama had an opening and they decided on who they were going to hire, Greg Byrne, the athletic director's first tweet after they decided who they were going to hire was a photo of Archibald's, the best rib place in Metro Tuscaloosa, with white smoke coming out of the chimney. Like, that's how it works in college. In the NFL, it's like, we interviewed this dude. We're going to interview this dude tomorrow. Here's who we've interviewed. Here's the list. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Now, part of it is, in the NFL, you're interviewing other NFL coaches usually whether they are assistant coaches or coaches who are not employed by another team. Like you can't really hire somebody else's head coach. You got to trade for somebody else's head coach because they're under contract. And unlike in college football, where you just say, I'm going to pay the buyout. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. Like the, the compensation is draft picks. If you want to get somebody. So we've seen it before. Sean Payton was actually traded to the Broncos last year because he was still under contract with the Saints. So the Broncos had to had to flip him a draft pick to get Sean Payton. And famously, Bill Belichick was traded from the Jets to the Patriots. But this is not the norm. You know, it, it's it's not the norm in the NFL. They have expired. And like nobody in the NFL, the agents who represent NFL coaches, many of them also represent college coaches, but they don't go to the NFL owners and say, Hey, my guy needs four years on his contract or he can't recruit. Like NFL contracts expire. They let them expire. And then sometimes they sign new ones and sometimes they don't. And it's a very different world. Very different world. But we've seen this with Jim Harbaugh the last couple of years. Two years ago, he interviews with the Vikings. He didn't get the job. Kevin O'Connell did. Last year, the flirtation was with the Broncos, who did ultimately end up hiring Sean Payton. So this year, it's the Chargers. We'll see if it's anybody else. We're going to talk to Clayton Safey from the Wolverine very shortly on Three's Michigan website. And we will talk about if there's anything else beyond this in the NFL, or did Jim Harbaugh look at the available options, decide 
what might be the best fit for him, might what what franchise might want him the most, and say, here's who I'm going to interview with, and then I'll make a decision. All of that needs to be figured out. And of course, Michigan has been trying to sign Jim Harbaugh to a new contract, a, a lucrative new contract, for months now. They would like to have him stay, and who would blame them? The man just led them to a national title, and they're 15-0. and 0. But we'll talk to Clayton about this in a minute, but I was enjoying spending some time on the Wolverines message boards, and the, the difference of opinions regarding Harbaugh, flirting with the NFL, what it means for recruiting. I had to laugh at a couple of, of, of folks. And, and I will say, there are a lot of really smart people on these message boards that, that are pointing out the obvious. But there are some folks who will say, hey, uh, don't you know this is killing recruiting? And I'm like, not really. Because these are the same people who say it killed recruiting before. They just won the national title. They're recruiting just fine. Like it, whatever they've been doing and the, the recruiting classes are, are fairly similar over the last few years and what they do out of the portal is fine. It works. It just took them to 15 and 0. They've won the big 10 three years in a row. It's working. It's okay that he's for like, and maybe Jim Harbaugh is the only guy in the world who can get away with this, but he can it has not adversely affected their roster one bit. And I, I don't know that you could say that about most coaches. I don't think that would work in most programs, but it is working in Michigan's program. Before we get to Clayton safety, though, we need to talk about game time. And Clayton's up there in Ann Arbor. I know everybody's excited about Michigan just winning the national title, but they're also excited about those Detroit Lions who just won a playoff game last night. Clayton's I, Clayton's already in the studio. He's fist pumping already. If you would like to go see the Lions play against whoever wins this Bucks Eagles game next weekend, well, you can get tickets on Game Time because Game Time is the easiest way to get last minute tickets. You download that Game Time app, use the code Staples, you get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So that one's a hot ticket, obviously. Now, if you're looking for something a little a little more reasonably priced. Let's say you're in Austin this weekend and you want to see Texas and Baylor playing basketball at Texas. One of the last meetings between these two programs as conference foes, and Baylor's really good again this year. Well, you can you can get a ticket to the game. Very easy. You look at the picture. It shows you where your seat would be. You turn your phone. It shows you what your vantage point actually looks like in the stadium or in the arena. And you, a couple more taps, the ticket's yours. So sporting events. Concerts, comedy shows, you name it, Game Time's got it. The easiest way to get last-minute tickets, download that Game Time app, redeem the code STAPLES, and get $20 off your first purchase. We now go to Ann Arbor. Clayton Safey joins us. Harbaugh Watch 2024. Yeah. Does it feel different from Harbaugh Watch 2023 or Harbaugh Watch 2022? Yeah, I, I would say so. And you mentioned the Lions. My voice a little bit gone here because of the Lions. So <laughs> we have them to blame for that. Um, yeah, it, it does feel different. It feels a little bit more in the open. I know he was dodging all the questions when you and I were in Pasadena and then, you know, Houston for the national championship. Didn't want to talk about the future. But, you know, with the even the Chargers putting out that graphic, like we interviewed Michigan's Jim Harbaugh, it's kind of like 
it, it just feels different um, because it, he worked in silence a little bit more the last couple of years, which is also a little bit odd because now he has a high-powered agent in Don Yee with uh, obviously deep NFL ties. So I, I just think that it's one of those things. He said it this past spring, and I know two years ago he said it was it was going to be a one-time thing. He wasn't going to look at the NFL again, but he kind of changed his stance a little bit more this past spring when he said every January you look around, you talk to people, how much do they want me here, that sort of thing, what calls come in. You know, he said Jesse Minter interviewed with uh, the Eagles last year. You know, NFL is interested in our players. He's kind of changed his stance a little bit where it's like, yeah, I am going to explore. I'm going to see what my options are out there. And he doesn't have a new contract at Michigan yet. I'm sure he could sit down and sign one right now, like right now. Ward Manuel yeah. would give him the pen, whatever pen he wants, you know, whatever. <laughs> there's also DocuSign. I know he's old school, but there's DocuSign. <laughs> exactly. So he could <laughs> sign, Andy. But, you know, and, and that's not to say that they're not still negotiating on that front as well. But it does just feel a little different to me. Uh, but also what I've come to realize in – too is that I don't think it's some lock that if he gets an offer from the Chargers, he goes. But I don't think it's a lock either that if he gets everything he wants from Michigan, that he stays. I think he's going to see uh, what's out there. And I know, you know, we'll probably get into more of the nuances, but I think this Chargers thing to me feels more like he's interviewing them uh, to an extent than it is they're interviewing him. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the Vikings thing two years ago, which no. we went into that knowing that Jim Harbaugh was going to interview with the Vikings thinking that it's like a college interview where once you go there, you're obviously the prime candidate, but that wasn't the case. They were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. They end up hiring Kevin O'Connell. Uh, this one definitely feels more like he would be their main target mm -hmm. in this situation, but it does, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean he takes it because this is a different situation. He's just won the national title. Uh, so Chris Ballas at the Wolverine reported today that that one of the sticking points in, in contract negotiations with Michigan is trying to get assurances that they're done with the NCAA, that there, there's no further punishment coming, which I don't know how Michigan could grant that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And, it, and you mentioned the, the smart people on our message board. I do appreciate you giving them that compliment. But as you know, and as you've mentioned, I think with me on here before, a lot of lawyers at Michigan and a lot of lawyers yeah. on there are saying you you just cannot do it. It's a non-starter, that sort of thing. At the same time, it's so unprecedented. You know, this is such an unprecedented situation because he is, you know, one of the best coaches in all of football, regardless mm -hmm. of level. He's also embroiled right now uh, currently in two different NCAA investigations. One of them they've been delivered the notice of allegations for, Burger Gate, as people call it. Yeah. Know. Not saying it's just all about a burger. There I am in the video there with, with Donovan. Well, Edward. there was cheese on the burger. Clayton. There was cheese on so the burger. So, it's, yeah. it's a cheeseburger gate more than a burger gate. <laughs> okay, right. So you have cheeseburger gate, but you also have the sign stealing thing. Who knows, you know, what rule was broken, how severe it is, that sort of stuff. There's still a ways to go there. So you have these two uh, NCAA things. And I think he has seen, this is my guess, and but I, I've kind of seen it too, how fickle a lot of people at a university or in, involved in academia can be, I mean, Chris Partridge was fired the day before they went on their trip to mm -hmm. or the day of the trip to Maryland, you know, not saying it's all uh, apples to apples here, but I think he probably wants to realize if I'm going to turn down a really good offer somewhere else, like Los Angeles, I want to make sure that I'm good here. Uh, no matter what happens with this investigation and look, you could still fire him. You would just have to pay him. Right. So, I mean, right. 
and well, I, point, I don't even think you, about it like Michigan having to fire Jim Harbaugh. When right. I look at them winning a national title and him being suspended for six games of that season, I would think, and, and given the public posturing from Santa Ona, the Michigan president, mm-hmm. that barring something out of the blue that we didn't expect, we never saw coming, that they just say, look, if the NCAA suspends you more, we got your back. We're not going to punish you at all. And if you have to sit out games, that's fine. We have your back. We'll continue to pay you. We'll pay you more. You have a job here as long as you want to have a job here. That is how I would handle it in this particular situation. I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, and, and maybe that's what he's what he's looking for. It'd be interesting to see all the wording there. And then, you know, too, I mean, it, it also – it's not all so simple either, right? Because there is history here. I mean, I don't think he was very happy with the self-imposed suspension for Cheeseburger Gate at the mm-hmm. beginning of this year. I mean, that was levied by Michigan, you know, obviously as a form to, you know, in part to protect him, right? So, I mean, right. I think he understands why they did it, but I don't know necessarily if he was on board with it. And there, there's, you know, I mean, his his pay was cut. There's a lot of history here. So, um, it's it's never cut and dry when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. That's why he's so unpredictable. You never really know exactly what he's thinking. Uh, he's hard to get a read on. And Michigan's kind of quiet on this stuff too. So I know Ward Manuel was as vocal as he's ever been, you know, starting with when you and I were in the scrum there yeah. with him after the national title. And then even on, on Saturday night when I was at Chrysler Center for the uh, championship celebration, and he said, I'm working on getting this guy a new contract, pointing right at him. Um you know, he, he wants to get it done, but, you know, there's just it's just so complicated. Uh, but it is interesting to see, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say desperate, but it just felt like they they know that they, they got to get this done if, if you know, if, if they want a shot here to keep him. Well, and the other thing is, I, I'm not sure it matters. Because if he really wants to go to the NFL and he's offered an NFL job that he feels is somewhere he, he can succeed, then he's I would think he's just going to take that. And then if that doesn't happen. He's gonna stay. I, 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 I know we got to talk about this a lot, but I feel like it's it's not more complicated than that. Sure. I mean, that's part of it too. Is he's talked about the itch he had, you know, to potentially win an, uh, a Super Bowl at some point. It's kind of the one thing now that he has a national title that he hasn't been able to to check off. I mean, they finished number two when he was a player here at Michigan. He was really close to the Super Bowl a couple different times as a player, and then made it, lost to his brother last time so that's still a, a big pull for him too um but i i think there is part of it though where you know if you're michigan you could uh you know you could do everything you possibly can to make sure that you know if the nfl is not the right situation that he would want to come back i mean you, you don't want to leave any stone unturned i would say if you're michigan and that's why you know i i think you know you hear this from from chris obviously all over it reporting it um you know that's why i think those details are still kind of out there where where things could be changed so malachi in the chat is representative of of the fan people in the fan base who say this does hurt recruiting he says this is hurting recruiting call me negative and miserable if you want and so let's talk about that michigan right now sits at number 15 in the team rankings for the on three industry rankings um they were, I believe they were a little higher last year uh, when there was a flirtation as well with, oh, no, they were they were 18 last year. So, I mean, it feels like they're recruiting fairly similar to, to how they have throughout much of Jim Harbaugh's tenure. 
So I, I again, I don't know how much that actually hurts. They were they were number nine in 2022, which is the year that that he was interviewing with the Vikings on the second signing day. 2022, obviously, you know, a very good class for them. But I, I, again, I, I don't see how much it's hurting them. I mean, like they still got Will Johnson and Derek Moore, and you know that that's a class that had that has Kenneth Grant that has. A Colson bunch Lovell. of guys who play yeah. for them right now. Yeah. Colson Love. Exactly. So, yeah, one thing to note on that, too, is that class, though, I mean, like Will Johnson was here, um, you know, as an early enrollee at that point. So, right. It yeah, was a lot more of those than, guys were already signed at that point. Sure. So it was more the next class. But, and I do understand. I mean, sure, would recruiting be probably a little bit better if you didn't do this? Then absolutely. But it's also partly the price you pay when Jim Hackett, Michigan's former interim AD, went and pried a guy out of the NFL that was coaching in a Super Bowl, you know, a, a year and a half earlier. So that's kind of what what the deal is here. Um, I, I think NIL is a bigger factor than the Jim Harbaugh flirtations, but I think all right. of it is kind of a perfect storm for them to that they have taken a step back a little bit in recruiting. More more so, fifteen to twenty ish is where they've mm -hmm. been finishing the last couple cycles, and really that that is not good enough. But I don't know that the correlation here necessarily or, or that's the, the full reason um, you know, they, they've been behind in, in some other areas like that. So look in, and you know, a counter argument a little bit to what you said is a lot of the guys that, that did win them this national championship were part of, you know, a lot of them were top hundred guys. Yeah. Not saying that they had the five stars that Alabama did, but like the, that sweet spot for them has been kind of the 75 to 150 type of kid like mm -hmm. a Blake Corum. So, and then they developed the hell out of them. Right. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think do, yeah, this era ahead. of college football is that may be the, the way, the better way to do it now. It might be. Uh, so beer drinking CFB enthusiasts in the chat. I think Michigan has changed the way they recruit. They go after their guys, not chasing five. And, and, and look, when they get the five stars, they hit Donovan Edwards. You could say he didn't hit this season, but he sure as hell hit in the national title game. Will JJ Jonathan, McCarthy, he yeah. hit. Will Johnson, he hit. Like they're getting those guys too. Right. They get the five stars. And and look, they offer these other kids too. So part of it is I understand that they they do recruit a little bit differently. Jim Harbaugh has definitely in the last couple of years prioritized guys that would be culture fits, especially since he's gotten this culture really up and running. Um, you know, over you know, maybe the the five star, but they're still offering the five stars. They're still going out and evaluating and trying to get in the door uh there with those kids too. So uh, they do have to be better recruiting. I will say that, but I don't think it's it's fully that reason. There are other reasons as well, um, and and that's kind of where they're at. I think. Yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting mix, and the way you build a roster now to to create a championship team has changed. It just mm -hmm. has changed in the last three years, and I don't think anybody knows exactly how to do it right. I, I think probably the surest way is do what Georgia does and just stack five star yeah. offensive and defensive linemen, but not everybody can do that, and. Michigan just went 15 and 0 without ever having done that. And so I, I just I think that piece of criticism is a bit unfair. But I also think Jim Harbaugh might be the only coach who could pull this off. No, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, one let like the aspect of it that I mentioned with he's the only one that would be doing this because like other guys would probably love to have the option to talk to the Chargers this week. Um, yeah. You know, but so he has that opportunity. 
but with that comes a little bit of a curse, you know, in that there's a lot of, you know, a little bit of instability every January. It feels like at this point, that sort of thing. Um, But also you have the benefit of having a coach good enough to piece things together. And he operates well in chaos. I mean, he, he almost likes things to be uncomfortable um, and, and has somehow been able to kind of pull through even in those situations. So, and, and honestly, the last couple of years, once he has come back, whether it was after the Minnesota trip, you know, for that interview with the Vikings or last year with a couple of meetings with Denver, they actually came here to Ann Arbor. Um, once that's over and, and spring ball starts on Valentine's Day because they love football, which is the most Jim Harbaugh thing ever, then <laughs> he's he's so locked in and, the, you know, they they just run such a smooth operation, it feels like, from that point on. And then, yeah, maybe you take a week, you celebrate, you have a parade, and then the uncertainty starts again. But if he's back, I have no doubt that, that things are going to be probably pretty smooth come Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, I would think so also. Uh, let's talk about if he leaves, because yeah. that – he did interview an NFL team today. If he leaves, is it Sharon Moore or do they look outside? I think it's Sharon Moore. I mean, I think probably you, you do both. Um, but very quickly, I would say very, very quickly. And it, it probably ends up with Sharon Moore. And also, I think if you looked around too nationally, you may come to the conclusion that Sharon Moore is your best bet anyway, because of, the advantages he has of already being on staff, having a relationship with these guys. He's a rising star that knows Michigan. You know, he's he's a Michigan man now. Jim Harbaugh nominated him as a Michigan man. I don't know if if he's confirmed or not yet, but I would confirm <laughs> him if I have any sort of a power as a you know. I, I, I yeah, I I think the Ohio State game confirmed him as yeah, a Michigan 100%. man. But it's interesting 100%. though, and I know Michigan fans don't want to hear this comparison, but it is similar to to the situation. Remember, Ryan Day had to be. Ohio yeah. State's interim coach for three games in 2018, which allowed Gene Smith to get a look at him and and see how he ran the program. And then Gene Smith said that he vetted some other candidates. He looked at some other people, but ultimately decided that that Ryan Day would be the best successor for Urban Meyer. Like he had a few, he had a little bit of time to do that. So I imagine Ward Manuel is probably already has already done that and and probably yeah. has an idea what he wants. And it's weird too because you didn't expect this to happen. Because so Andy, you and I were there for you know all the press conferences in Houston, and everyone was asking Jim Harbaugh up there, even with Kalen DeBoer the day before the game about his future. Turns out Kalen DeBoer less than a week later was was gone. Yes. So oh, it's it's wild. Think about think about this, Clayton. Exactly a week ago, right now, they were in the first quarter of the national title game, coaching against one another. Now, one of them coaches Alabama, and the other one interviewed with the Chargers. There's a graphic saying that he interviewed with the Chargers. Yeah, and the other one is wearing crimson. Uh, and has had it long had his press conference two days ago now. Yeah, already. So time time moves fast. But I, I bring that up to say this: that if there was a name that I think Michigan fans at, at least would want to look at externally, it, it would have been Kalen DeBoer. I mean, he's a guy yeah. who's been on the street at Eastern Michigan for a few years at one point, obviously has Midwest ties and is a great coach, an up and comer, you know, somebody that was at Indiana, uh, you know, and, and Michigan fans kind of got to know him then when he was the offensive coordinator. So he was a guy, you know, even, you know, the name Jed Fish is thrown out there. Well, now he has a new job. So yep. even more so over the last week, I would say it's solidified that it's Sharon. I'm not saying it wouldn't, it wasn't going to be already, but the options are, you know, Nick Saban kind of threw in a, a wrench in this whole thing. 
Yeah. Uh, little guy trader in the chat says, my heart says Sharon Moore, but my head says Jesse Mentor. I would imagine if Jim Harbaugh leaves that Jesse Mentor is Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator at the Chargers or wherever. That's what I would guess as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think he probably goes back to the NFL at, at some point. Um, and I think Sharon Moore is, you know, I, I just don't think it would be Jesse Mentor. I think Sharon Moore is, is kind of a little bit more groomed at this point to be the head coach. Yeah, it, it, it'll be... It will be interesting to see if that happens because I, I I also think it that Sharon is the obvious choice that they really don't have to overthink this. And Wrexham FC Boston in the chat says Jesse Mentor feels way more critical to our success yeah. than Sharon. Hard disagree because I've watched that offensive line play for the last three years, and I would say that's the most important element to Michigan success. And guess who's directly responsible for that? Yeah, Sharon Moore, and then and then he's taken over the offense too. I will say the the two changes, so it's kind of hard to figure out which one, you know, was more important. But I, I do agree with you. Uh, but they switched the defensive system. They bring in Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Yep. Now they're running this NFL style system. The same the, year, that, I, I call it the Ravens internship system. Pretty much, yeah. It's like you get to. It, it's almost like the Sharon Moore test driving the you know the car there for a few games. It's like you know, Mike McDonald got to test drive or, or John yep. Harbaugh got to watch him. We don't need Wink Martindale anymore. Come on, Mike. Right. And he's done a great job and he's interviewing for head coaching jobs and, and they're the one seed. So they, they're going to have a great opportunity here to win a Super Bowl. But at the same time, you know, you promoted Sharon Moore to offensive line coach. You made that change on the defense. Those were the two biggest decisions I think Jim Harbaugh's made at Michigan. You can't go wrong either way. And Minter was incredible this year in year two of the defense and what he did to Michael Penix in Washington was amazing. But I agree. It's Sharon Moore. He's the second longest tenured coach on, on staff now. And, uh, and kind of that protege of Jim Harbaugh. So I'm going to break Malachi's heart in the chat again. Uh, he wants, he wants Joe Brady as Michigan's OC. <laughs> um, if you just watch the bills play Joe Brady's going to be fine in the NFL for a little while. He's, he's got a, he's got a job there and uh, he may have a lot of NFL teams after him as play caller after this, because he's the, essentially the interim because he replaced Ken Dorsey. So yeah, this is uh I don't think you're going to, you're going to get Joe Brady. Also, Sharon Moore might be a play calling head coach. Who knows? He could be. He could we just be. saw him do it. <laughs> right. He, he did do it in against Ohio state in the biggest game of his life. And some, I mean, obviously everyone knows how big that game was with everything that went on, but here's the thing though. I, I think the, the one concern you would have with Sharon Moore you know, not just him specifically, but any guy who is an internal, you know, hire who's been here for a while. So his, a lot of his network is here at Michigan. I know he does, mm -hmm. you know, obviously had, knows other people in the business, um, but he's been here for a while. He's an internal hire and he's a first time head coach. It's a little bit different when an assistant coach signs up to work for Jim Harbaugh than it would be for a first time head coach. Now he could retain a lot of the staff, but I, I do think if you're thinking next steps and we got a lot of time to talk about this, if things happen, but that would be kind of one drawback, I think, is, um, you know, hiring your staff. But at the same time, maybe, you know, the continuity well, let me, would keep with him. Let me throw this out yeah. there. If if you – I'm assuming Jim wants Sharon to get the job if Jim leaves. I think so. If if 100%. that happens, I think the John Harbaugh internship program stays open, and I think the Jim Harbaugh internship program comes open. And so you may get it, be getting some whiz kids sent your way, just like <laughs> Jim's been doing with John's whiz kids – that these last that's a good years. point. That's a great point too. And there, so there's an advantage too with with Sharon Moore on on that. And no, it's a great it's a great point. So 
Um, but it, it's something to think about because you do, you know, I, I think that one of the biggest things uh, Michigan has done the last few years is they've built one of, if not the best staffs, like one through 11 head coach to 10th assistant in the country. So you can't do it alone if you're a head coach, but you make a great point there too. Maybe the internship system is, I mean, just incredible that they have the ability to do that. And you have two brothers at the top of the game like this. Well, and it's unbelievable because the, that Raven system is so good. And now you've got it kind of laid out. You've laid out the groundwork. So whoever the the next hot up-and-coming assistant is with the Ravens is a good position coach. You send him over, call the plays, and then he's ready to, ready to rock and roll in case Mike McDonald – because Mike McDonald has been interviewing for head coaching jobs. So right. Jesse Minner may be the Ravens defensive coordinator for or all we know. Or Mike McDonald's defensive coordinator. Correct. Correct. So that that's the part you gotta you gotta think about. So you you want to keep that pipeline open. Before we let you go, Clayton, yeah. I do want to ask you about the roster because quite a few announcements went down. Donovan Edwards coming back. That feels pretty big. That is big. I know he didn't have the year that everyone expected him to have, and he didn't revolutionize revolutionize the position like he said he might um but at the same time i mean this this dude came back and probably thought blake uh blake corn was going to be the nfl this year i think things just didn't work out as, as well as he would have liked them this year and he was coming off two pretty serious injuries the required surgery last offseason so i think a healthy offseason for him is going to be big this is an offense that we don't know who the quarterback's going to be it could be a, a younger guy it could be an alex orgy or, or Jaden uh davis the, the freshman and I think they're going to have to rely more on the run game or as much as they have. And it's huge to have depth there. So now you have Donovan Edwards, Kalel Mullings, who we saw uh, play pretty well this year at different points, uh, a top 100 guy in Jordan Marshall out of Ohio that's coming in. So they have depth in, in other guys I'm not naming, but uh, they have depth there at running back. That's big. Rod Moore comes back on defense um, at, at the safety spot along with McCarty yep. Page. Those are really big ones. Josiah Stewart at the edge spot. So there's a lot of talent on that defense, some uncertainty on the offense that I think they'll be able to piece together. And I think Michigan may be, depending on how everything shakes out here, they may be one of the more active top-tier teams in the transfer in the portal. portal in the spring. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, you didn't know what some of these guys were going to do. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys that would have just come back on a COVID year, you know, a lot of guys that have played four or five years of college football have moved on, including six offensive linemen, which is crazy. But Including um, Trente Jones, and that was one of those yeah. when he – I it, I feel selfish saying this and stupid because, you know, have your moment, everybody. But I, I've seen a lot of guys who were out of eligibility. They sent out the graphic declaring for the draft. I'm like, wait a second. Did they, did they have eligibility left? And then no, it no, makes no, us just, go back and research yeah. and do, you know. <laughs> but Trent A. Jones actually did have one more year left. Yes. So he is foregoing a year to go. This is this is the guy who got plugged in at right tackle after the Zach Zinner injury and Carson Barnhart got kicked down to, to guard. Yes. And so he, he is a guy who has not been a full-time starter for an entire season began last year as the starter at right tackle, got hurt and then got overtaken by Carson Barnhart. And then this year only started the last three games, but has done well when he's been in there. He also posted this though, Andy, uh, I think the day before he made his decision, I think it, it might've been off topic, but it might've been kind of a precursor. He, he pointed out that he's 23 years old. Like yeah. at some point, these guys weren't planning on having that COVID year. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, he's probably, class of 2019, like he, he, he spent five years in college for sure. So I think that's, that's part of it. And that those are mainly the guys that have left the Michigan at this point. Um, you know, like Drake Nugent had the same thing, but, uh, you know, Trevor Keegan actually could have come back in Zinter, but those guys were already on 
you know, they, they came back for one more year last year. So those were yeah. expected. Um, and same with Roman Wilson, the senior bowl type of guys. But yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a new look offense. No clue who the quarterback's going to be. It might be a Ravens type of offense with Alex Orgy in there. Um, yep. But the defense is is going to be pretty loaded again. So, well, now we got to figure out who's coaching. So, well, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Clayton, thank you so much. We will be back in touch very soon, I'm sure. Appreciate it. That is Clayton Safey from the Wolverine. And a uh, question from Donnie in the chat Do you think Alabama picks up Michigan's defensive coordinator? No, I do not. I think Jesse Mentor, if he's not staying at Michigan, his next move will be to the NFL. But in a few minutes, we will be talking to Tim Watts of Bama Online, and we will definitely ask him who we think who he thinks Alabama's next defensive coordinator will be. Now, I don't think we know who Washington's defensive coordinator will be under Jed Fish, but I do think we know who the offensive coordinator will be. It looks like uh, Brennan Carroll, who is the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Arizona under Fish, is coming with uh, Jimmy Doherty, the passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, uh, Jordan Powell, the tight ends coach, Scotty Graham, the running backs coach, uh, Kevin Cummings, the wide receivers coach. So basically the entire offensive staff, a couple of defensive assistants, and the strength coach coming with Jed Fish. So we'll see what happens in terms of hiring at Arizona. What does that mean? Because Brennan Carroll was one. If you're going to go an internal hire, that might be one, one option. But he's obviously going to Washington with Jed Fish, where, by the way, his dad, Pete, has lived for a while. So I, I imagine you see Pete Carroll quite a bit around that program. Uh, and then we'll see what happens at Arizona. A potential outside candidate would be Brent Brennan from San Jose State, who's a guy that that they interviewed last time around. So we'll, we'll find out more probably pretty soon in the next few days who they're going to hire, who's going to replace Jed Fish. Johnny Nansen is the other potential one where he uh, he went to Texas and as an assistant, the thought is if, if they were to go, it's not really internal because he's already left, but he was on Jed Fish's staff. So that would be one, another, another one potentially. But we've got to get a little bit more clarity on this before we find out. And then Arizona, obviously the, the transfer portal opened for them on Monday and will stay open for 30 days. So we'll find out exactly what happens to that roster and who, who may be following Jed Fish. Also, we are keeping close track of what is happening to Alabama's roster because they have a new coach. There's some guys that have already left. There's some guys in the portal. Also some guys that may be considering going into the portal, but They've got to get their staff figured out. Kalen DeBoer looks like he's bringing most of his offensive staff from Washington. But what happens with the defensive staff? And, you know, Freddie Roach, the D-line coach, staying on board at Alabama. We'll see what happens with that. The best person to talk to about this, of course, is Tim Watts of Bama Online. They are all over all of this. Lots of new developments in Tuscaloosa. Here's Tim. Figured we haven't bothered our friend Tim Watts from Bama Online in a while, but fairly significant thing happened over the weekend, and and now Kalen DeBoer is in the his third full day as Alabama's head coach. Tim, that I would imagine that's a drinking through a fire hose situation. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. I'd like to break down. I mean, we have a rough estimate of everything he's went through, but we know he uh, took the job, arrived in Tuscaloosa at 8.30. A lot of people were waiting on him, probably a little bit surprising for him to see that big of a crowd, and then spoke to the players at 9. We know they were burning the midnight oil Friday night, too, so he was meeting with coaches, going over rosters, doing everything they have to do. And, of course, you know, in previous coaching staffs, this one's changed because that 30-day portal window's mm -hmm. open. So they're having to deal with that. You know, you got the, a huge amount of kids on campus and, you know, trying to get your staff and everything else. And just the logistics, even for the assistant coaches, you know, like, you know, we, we know where Coach DeBoer is at, but the assistant coaches, some of them are still in Seattle because they had kids going to school today. I mean, they had a yeah. lot of stuff they have to deal with, and it's just not as easy. Although it seems that way, it's, it's not as easy as, hey, everybody getting the, the U-Haul, we're going across the country. So <laughs> there's a lot of logistics to work out for these guys. Well, it definitely seems like he's bringing the bulk of his offensive staff. I know Robert Gillespie, the, the running backs coach who was there under Saban, uh, former Florida Gators running back, uh, is staying on board at Alabama. But it feels like the the rest of the offensive staff is coming kind of whole cloth from Washington. Yeah, I think the biggest name, obviously, is the one we were the most curious about was Ryan Grubb. Mm -hmm. Um I think that probably the best offensive coordinator head coach duo in the country as far as tag team and working stuff together. I think they're as good as anybody. So seeing what he could do, because we've seen in the past, a guy like Ryan Grubb would be up for the Washington head coaching job, which always makes mm -hmm. it interesting because you have, you know, you have, I mean, similar to uh, Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman, right? You had yeah. majority of those guys stayed at Notre Dame. So you have to kind of choose between your two best friends, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to make, you got to make choices you probably didn't expect to make. So him coming was huge, great reputation. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard's another guy I've been researching, has a great reputation. The offensive line coach I'm pretty interested in was Scott Huff, simply because, as Travis Ryder pointed out on BOL, their offensive linemen were a lot lighter than mm -hmm. what Alabama, what you saw at Alabama this year. So there's a little bit of different philosophy, and they're built for speed. Alabama was built to, you know, you know, pin you down, hold you down. So it's, it's pretty interesting, everything that's coming along with you. And like you said, Robert Gillespie, who's did an unbelievable job with the last two classes, the last two group of signees, um, obviously keeping him there is a bit, you know, a big plus, you know, as far as familiarity goes. Yeah, and Gillespie's recruited all over the South because he's worked for Tennessee, he's worked for Alabama, he's worked for for North Carolina. And I, I'm, I'm missing a few stops there. He's been right? – in South Carolina South as Carolina, well. Yeah. So he's he's been a lot of places, and he's a Mississippi native. So. He's got yeah. Florida, which, I mean, that's kind of where the – you know, you start with your in-state, then you go to Florida and Georgia. That's kind of your big three, how you work off of it. So, yeah, big get there, obviously. Yeah, and now let's let's talk D.C. because I, I feel like Kalen DeBoer's kind of welcome to the SEC moment was, congratulations, you got the Alabama job. I know you want to keep Traveris Robinson on your staff, but – Kirby Smart says, nope, I'm taking him. They tried to take him back, but it doesn't look like that's going to work. Yeah, that was exciting. I mean, I think it's a little bit, you know, kind of was already in motion. I know T-Rob and Nick Saban were trying to work out an extension or a new contract that never really got finalized when Coach Saban retired. So if you don't have that job done, if you're a coach, you're probably looking at other offers. He's a hot commodity, I think, because of how well he did recruiting. Uh, I think the Georgia offer was in hand for a while. Uh, met with Coach DeBoer Friday night. Couldn't really give him an answer. I mean, again, I don't know how much time he even had to think. I'm, I'd be surprised if he's still not, you know, moving 90 to nothing. The next morning, uh, T-Rob resigned, told his players he was leaving. 
Sunday morning, we find out he's interviewing for the job. We reported that last night on Bama Online. And then today he decided to stick with Georgia. So almost like a little bit of a, a recruit coming down to signing day. You know, we had some mm-hmm. back and forth there. And, um, you know, I think that was a, a a pretty decent battle there. But then again, I don't know how well Kalen DeBoer knew T-Rob. I don't think they had any previous relationships. So you can kind of understand how this came about. Yeah, and and the, so the job at Alabama would have been defensive coordinator, which it's it's so funny because you, you go back to – the old the we the old miss game and Lane Kiffin saying we think that's T Rob's defense. We think he's calling the defense. So it, it it is funny how that works because he goes, he takes the must champ spot at Georgia, and then Glenn Schumann is the other co-defensive coordinator there. So uh that'll be interesting. But I, I saw you guys reported, and this is a name that I thought was really fascinating. Kane Womack, the South Alabama head coach, as a potential Alabama DC, which that's, I mean, if, if that is a, a job that Kane gets offered, he's got to decide what's the quicker path for me to be a power conference head coach. Yeah, I think it's obvious it's Alabama. And especially when you count in the NIL, I felt he did a really good job. I was talking to Charles Power, who does our national recruiting today, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how well he evaluated. And the, what happens with schools like that is got people realize they, they're doing a great job evaluating. They go and double check on them. Wake Forest used to do this too. This happened to them a lot. And the big name schools will just poach them. Yeah. Um, NIL certainly is a factor. South Alabama couldn't compete there. So I think if you want to be a head coaching job now, I will say he beat Oklahoma State this year. And there was a lot of talk and, uh, you know, about him becoming a hot commodity. He lost a couple of games he probably shouldn't have. And I think that affected him. But obviously, I mean, you get a guy like that, good reputation. They worked in Indiana together. Um, I think when he went out West, he just needed West coast people from what I understand, but uh, yeah, all intents and purposes talking about him today. Um, it seems like he would be a really good fit as far as that coordinator position goes. Well, and Kane's an sec guy, like his dad, Dave was a longtime assistant at various sec schools. Uh, Kane worked at Ole Miss with Hugh freeze. You know, he's worked in, in the South before, uh, that's how he kind of got exposed to, to Tom Allen who wound up hiring him at, at Virginia. So that would be really interesting if that happened because that is a good recruiter, good evaluator, and you think you got to think if Kane does a good job in that that role, he's an SEC or or an ACC head coach pretty quick. Yeah, that's been the norm. I mean, he he played at Southern Miss, I believe, and I think he coached at Jacksonville State early in his career. So a lot of Southern connections. Um, I'm looking now. UT Martin's one, Ole Miss. I mean, a lot of yep. Southern connections plus the connections to him. South Alabama, that's going to be one of the biggest, you know, biggest uh, areas in the states. Always got a ton of talent um, from that area, so he'd be familiar with that and an in-state guy. Yeah, so that that would be very interesting, and that's that's probably the biggest hire DeBoer's got to make if he's if he's bringing Grub. That that probably is the most important one. Well, I think you know, I think the fans want this to be quick. It's kind of funny because to me, this thing has moved at way faster than I expected to, and I think most of us. When we took look at the timeline, it's moving as fast as it possibly get, could, considering Nick Saban retired Wednesday at 4 p.m. And we're, we're here Monday, a little bit, you know, 4, 5, 6 o'clock, and where were Alabama's at with this. But at the same time, they want it faster. They want to know who the D.C. is because I see people talking about the portal. I get that. They want to see all that. But to me, the most important thing is you get your guy right. You know, you get mm-hmm. you get that guy, the guy you want, the guy you're comfortable with, because you felt comfortable on defense, but that was kind of low hanging fruit because you had such a good staff. You knew you could bring them. 
all that stuff. So defense is going to be a little bit different. Um, and uh, I think that you have to make sure you get the right guy you're comfortable with. So, yeah, I mean, you think about it this way. A week ago at this time, Kalen DeBoer was coaching in the national title game for Washington. Like, that's how quick all of this has changed. Let's talk about Bama's roster. We we, we saw Isaiah Bond leave and, and decide he's going to go to Texas. We saw Martin Iblack put his name in the portal. How, who else do you expect to at least consider jumping to the portal, and how important is it for, for Kalen DeBoer to make sure they keep who they want to keep? I think to some degree, you know, the vast majority of the roster is going to look at the portal or I say look at their options. That's kind of what I would expect. Now, when you if you're running back and Robert Gillespie stays, I think it's a little bit easier. But if you're at a position where your position coach, hey, and you look at the defense, Kevin Steele was already gone. Coleman Hutzler was already gone. T. Rob mm -hmm. was expected to leave for Georgia. Nobody's even mentioned Robert Bala. So, you know, you're a defensive guy. You've lost most of the guys you know. So keeping Freddie Rhodes is going to be huge there because he's got some kind of relationship with those guys, and he's got a lot of areas in the South as well. So I think you have to consider your options. I mean, I just look at what I tell my son or what I do. I'd say look at your options, talk to your coach, see how you feel. You might love him. You might hate him. You won't want to do this. You might want to do that. You know, figure it out or maybe, you know, take visits or just lock it down. We've seen – Jalen Mbakwe from Clay Chalkville, five-star guy, second-ranked guy in the class, he locked it down and said, I'm done. Uh, we saw uh, Beeman, Jeremiah Beeman from Birmingham said the same thing. So the ones that are saying it, you know, they, 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 they're they locking it down. Jalen and Jeremiah is kind of easy because their coach, the guy recruited them, Freddie Roach is still there. So yeah. relationships are going to matter in those situations. And it's important to keep them all because if – and it's not going to happen now, obviously. Isaiah Bond's already committed to Texas – but have they keep the rest of their guys on the roster? It's a top three talent uh, roster in the country, talent-wise. Yeah, the running back thing's interesting. Jace McClellan goes pro. Roy Dell Williams transfers to Florida State. But I was wondering how much movement there was going to be in that running back room just because it became pretty clear in the Rose Bowl that Justice Haynes is the future of the position there. Yeah, I think that they all just have different roles. I mean, Richard, Henry, Richard Young is a guy that can grab a gear and go, kind of a straight-line guy. Uh, Daniel Hill is a big muscular guy. He's going to move the crowd. Reminds you of the old fullback or Jerome Bettis types. The big guys move the, uh, you know, he's his own, his he's his yeah. own tush push. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So you got him and Kevin Riley, a local kid, has got that burn. So you got guys, and that's not even to mention Jam Miller, who to me might be the most complete of them all outside of Justice. So talent wise, you got him in the room. You see him hit him out of the backfield. You see how they run. If you're an offensive guy, that's why I was a little. I was a lot surprised by Nari, Amari Nyblack because the Washington system. My goodness, if it's not built for tight ends to you know to be exposed, have their talent exposed, I don't know what is. If you just watch their plays, they have so many plays drawn up for the tight end um, that they're definitely showcased. So I was a little surprised by that. But again, I keep saying portal in doesn't mean portal out. That doesn't mean they're going to leave. Right, that the player's gone. It just means he's looking at the portal. And we've seen guys, you know, if you follow our boy Pete Nakos, you got guys in the portal, out of the portal. Yep. Portal Isaiah Hastings from Alabama hit the portal, committed to Missouri, decommitted, went to Illinois. So there's a lot of things happening. You know, you saw Elijah Pritchard. He was in the portal for 11 and a half hours. So, um, you know, it's a big decision for a lot of these guys. And I get the, uh, you know, the uncertainty. And if you're, a, you know, 
adults are uncertain. I see fans, you know, really upset and really freaked out. Imagine being a 19 year old. Yeah. You you just want answers. Well, especially if you're an Alabama player, because it means you were probably a big time recruit. You were probably a high four star, a five star recruit. If you put your name in the portal, everybody's going to contact you. You'll have a very good idea of what your options are. You'll have probably a very good idea of what your NIL situation would be. And you can decide, but I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if there were more guys who just do that test that pop in the portal, pop back out, and decide to stay. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I think, you know, I said this early on that I expected the portal to be almost like at the negotiating table because you yeah. have a good year, you go in the portal. What have I got? What's out there? Take the biggest deal and go. I think you can do that three or four years in a row to get your, you know, get through your college career. Um, so I think some guys who are business driven and that was their whole decision will do it that way. Um, but I do think some will be curious and want to take visits, you know, and the, you know, the old grass isn't always greener, but you know, it could mm-hmm. be greener for some. So I think the uncertainty with the staff, um, which they're addressing again, they're meeting tonight at six 30. I'll say this about uh, DeBoer. He is very active. This staff is very active. They're talking to people. They're meeting with people. And the thing about it is anybody they haven't met with within 24 hours, I think they begin to get paranoid that nobody's met with them. They don't know what's going on. But again, he's putting a whole roster together. He's talking to staff. He's talking to recruiting. He's got to figure all this stuff out. Move his family. How's his kids doing the whole nine yards? Um, everything that's going on. But I do think another team meeting, this is at least the second one we're aware of, 630. You, you never know what this is. It, uh, you know, at worst case, this is here's where we're at. Okay. Yeah. This is where we're at in the coaching. Here's here's your coaches. Here's what we're doing. Or he might have an announcement of a coach. He knows who he is. He can yeah. offer somebody while we're talking and they accepted it. It, it, does it still blow your mind that Nick Saban is not the Alabama coach anymore? It does. I just, it feels, it, the whole thing's surreal because this isn't what I expected after he retired. I didn't, I didn't expect after he retired to be less than 100 hours into his retirement and to find out that he's still going to be on campus sometimes. I didn't expect, you know, at the time, when you first start thinking about him retiring, you never knew there would be a portal. You know, you didn't know there would yeah. be NIL. So that's changed everything. Um, to me, it feels like it's moved really fast and really well. But then at the same time, you know, as a fan, it's almost like, man, this thing's moved, taking forever. So I kind of go back and forth just like that with the message board guys. So when they feel the anxious, the anxiety, what's going on, I get it. Because, you know, a lot of times your biggest fear is what? The uncertainty. Yeah. You know, that's why you're scared of the dark. Most people are scared of the dark. You don't know right. what's in the dark. But usually it's not Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? It's usually yeah. not the most scary thing you could think of. But it's still scary. Well, and, and in this particular case, you've seen a level of dominance that really nobody's been able to match. And so the question is, can the new guy keep that up? I think it's probably unfair to expect that, but if you're used to it, it's going to be hard to adjust to something different. Oh yeah. And I told you before on the show, you know, you went from just want to win, give me one championship, just give me one more and I'll be done. You know what I mean? And then, you get that one championship in 2009 and 2010, you're screaming, what is going on? This team can't lose three games. So you go, and then it got to the point with Alabama fans. It wasn't just give me a win. It was, hey, we gave up a touchdown with two minutes and 38 seconds to go. We can't lose our focus. So it went from winning to being happy to being perfectionist with everything. But nobody's going to do what he just did. There's just it's a, To me, it's completely impossible to do what he did. I mean, you got the portal. 
I think your goal now with the portal, with the NIL, I think your goal now is to make the 12-team playoff. You know, perhaps win your conference and make the 12-team playoff. I think that's where it starts. I think that's Alabama's first goal. And then, to, you know, depending on the year, you can compete for a national championship. But some all years aren't equal. Some years you've got a team. I mean, we saw it this year where you probably, if, if Florida State had a healthy quarterback, you had six legitimate Yep. teams that were national championship caliber teams, in my opinion. Um, and some years you're lucky to have two. <laughs> you know, some well, years the thing is like you take Nick Saban out of Alabama. You don't have that superpower type team necessarily. Maybe you do. Maybe Kalen DeBoer will be that guy, but it feels like the only person left who's been able to create that multiple years now is Kirby smart. So is it going to be like that? Or is it going to be, now Texas is going to do that, or now Ohio State's going to do that again, or now you know another school that has not been like Ole Miss. Maybe Ole Miss does it. Like yeah, it, I mean, it feels like there's more. It, it's a. I imagine it gave some hope to the rest of the SEC. It did, but I mean, if you're not in that upper echelon of the SEC, you probably have no hope. I mean, if you're, yeah, you know, if you're LSU, they're an up and coming program. Got the number one commitment in next year's class in Bryce Underwood invested heavily in the NIL. Lane, Lane Kiffin really went all in NIL-wise NIL wise in the transfer portal. Kirby Smart's a monster on the recruiting trail, big-time program. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian is the exact same boat. They're very heavy in the NIL space. So when you look at all of that, if you're not one of those teams, you know, Auburn's fighting to get up there with Hugh Freeze, and he's proven he's going to be pretty competitive over his history. And then Alabama. But if you're a Vanderbilt, you know, I got to like, Jack, you know what I mean? I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta have a jack and get somewhere where I'm a little bit more comfortable. And we can't even sleep on guys like Eli Missouri, another one yeah. who's did a unbelievable SEC is gonna be absolutely brutal. Um, so it's gonna be hard for anyone to dis it's not, I don't think there's great teams because I do, I think there is now. I just think it's gonna be really hard to dominate. Yeah, I, I think you may be right. I think it it's not just Nick Saban leaving, it's all of these other programs kind of coming up at the same time yeah maybe because the rules have changed i mean maybe that's part yeah. of it is, is it helps. alabama be, and georgia can't stockpile the way they used to man there's gonna be more parity i mean washington did that with the portal look at florida state they just took what five or six guys from alabama yeah um yeah so i mean they're literally just pulling back in but you know what that's what roydell williams is who the portal's for yes that's who he is and shaz preston who just portaled to tulane from that area, that's who the portal's for. Behind people, want to get more run, kind of caught in a log jam. I want to play. I'm at the end of my career. Let that's what the portal was for. I'm all for Roy Dell doing great. Shaz Preston, I don't I'll be a bigger Shaz Preston fan at Tulane. So that's what it was for. But it does it does level the playing field because not everybody's going to wait four years like you've mm -hmm. seen so many guys out. I mean, what year did you notice Quinnen Williams, Christian Barmore? I mean, there's guys. Right. Drake Kirkpatrick spent his freshman year on special teams. You know what I mean? A guy like that is probably thinking, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of here next year so I can be a starter. So, I mean, there's been so much. Uh, and Kirby's facing that now with the influx of people that are going out. The inpatient. Yep. Look, we're in a TikTok world. I know I'm sounding like an old boomer, get off my yard, but I don't like people in my yard. I'll be honest. Hey, you you actually use TikTok. I don't even use it. I'm more I of an old man than you. TikTok. I get angry. Oh. I won't load the app because let me tell you what it does. It just tells me what I'm watching. Yeah, it just keeps. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. But you get those 20 second clips, and you go to Twitter. You don't have to watch the game. You can watch the highlights of the game on Twitter. Um, so everybody wants instant gratification. 
everything happens real fast and kids are impatient by nature. And I'm not yeah. saying they should sit there and wait for sit there and wait three or four years to play one year. I'm not saying that at all. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I, but you also do need to have some pain. Like Marius Mims is a good example at, at Georgia. You know, he almost went to Florida State. And he ended up having to stay another year on the bench at Georgia, but then he wound up being a really good offensive tackle and he's going to be a high NFL draft pick. And Georgia said, Hey, look, if you just stay, it'll work out exactly the way we told you it would. And it did. Talent. It's hard to keep talent off the field. You know what I mean? And I do yep. believe that there's a certain amount of Quinnen Williams, not being a freshman starter, all American right, right away and learning from a, uh, Jonathan Allen and a, a, a pain and all those guys that they learned from. I do think there is something to waiting your turn, waiting in line, who you practice against. I think all that at the big time programs uh, is the case. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to get again. You're not all going to be you know true freshman starters on a top five team. You know, what I mean, it's just it's it's hard to do. You got to be super talented. Even those guys, most of them have flaws. So basically what you're doing is you're going to have to hunker down. Football's not like basketball and baseball. Football's an adjustment sport. I mean, you got to get physically ready. You got to get bigger, stronger. There's a lot to just learning where your classes are, learning everything that's going on. I mean, there's a lot of learning when it comes to football because they do so much. Yeah, and and the Quinnen Williams example is a really good one because if Quinnen Williams goes somewhere else after his freshman year, does he become what he would, would become as a junior? Because dealing with all those people – you know, that he had to play, he had to back up, he had to play against the practice, kind of made him what he was. Well, I mean, we learn the most from losing in adversity. You know what I mean? We don't lose anything from winning. I mean, we learn anything from winning hardly. hardly. We lose, we learn from losing, we learn from adversity, we learn how to change things and fix things. Winning's easy, we all can win. Um, you know, we all can handle winning, but losing's different. And that kind of goes with being mature and growing up and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you, another thing, when you go to the NIL, we got 19-year-olds driving, you know, Hellcats now. I mean, if I was 19 with the Hellcat, I've been through this 50 times. That would not have ended. Worst ca- best case is I got a suspended license. And even now you come to see me and you're driving me around <laughs> Alabaster, Alabama, though. But, yeah, I mean, you got so much. Everything's sped up for these, and it's just the world. I mean, I have kids. They're they're much more grown or mm-hmm. have access to grown stuff than I ever did. Well, it, it, it's going to be interesting to watch what Kayla DeBoer has to do in terms of keeping this roster together and 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 then rebuild and then building on it because obviously he's going to be expected to recruit the way Nick Saban recruited. So yeah, that's a, that's going to be that's like to me that's impossible. I mean, that to me yeah. is impossible. I think Kirby will probably be the last of that mold. I think that 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 kind of cut up and recruiting that way and doing the way they did it. I think it's just in Kirby's nature. He was a you know he's a fantastic assistant recruiter and it carried off. But you don't have to recruit as hard if you got a good NIL program behind you. So I mean things mm-hmm. have changed a little bit there. Um 
But yeah, to recruit at that level, I think it's unrealistic for anybody to do it. I mean, Nick Saban was even recruited against, you know, taking criticism against himself when he missed on big time prospects. But, you know, obviously he did it at another level um, that nobody else has ever done it at. Well, no pressure on Kalen DeBoer because all he has to do is do that again. Just just yeah. do what Saban did. The one thing I'll Easy. say is I think being able to coach football helps and i have not and i don't know about you but i have not spoke to a single neutral coach not involved with alabama who doesn't love this guy like yeah. x and o's and uh the creativeness of the offense i mean i don't haven't met anybody that doesn't love him as a football coach um and i will say this i think recruiting is a little less important as far as prep recruiting because now you've got mm -hmm. the portal yeah i mean yeah you, you don't have Florida to do it State the same way Florida State and Washington have proven you can now flip. You know, basketball, you can flip a schedule and one, a, a, a roster in one year. Yeah. Football's never been able to do that without the portal. And now we see, you know, back in the day, it used to be Mississippi State signing 27 JUCOs. That was as close as you got. Right. Obviously, JUCOs were at a different level than the portal guys we're seeing. So, but I mean, you don't need a freshman anymore when you can get a junior with experience. So you can plug and play pretty quickly. It's a new game. I cannot game. wait. I love it though. I don't know about you. I love it. I don't mind any of this stuff. I, I don't either because it, it it's it makes it fun. It, it allows teams to have hope. Now, there are certain programs that I think it does suck the hope out of, but um, I did I think it allows more teams to have hope, more teams to feel like they can compete for a national title. And it certainly gives you something to talk about all year round. And I think that's one thing because I, I, I talk to fans who, you know they're excited when they get somebody new in the portal. I said, okay, what does this mean? How, how's this going to work? Is this, is it, does this mean we'll be good now? And yeah. I think before you, there just wasn't that like, you might sign a good class, but you might going to see those guys play for two years. So it, it, it probably goes with our TikTok society, Tim Watts, where it's just yeah. sped everything up. <laughs> yeah. We're moving at a good rate. I don't mind it though. Like you said, it's year round. It's part of the puzzle. You just have to figure out. I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, I hate the, uh, you know, the, the the decisions some of these kids have to make with just their business decision. You can love a school, but get an offer so good you have to go to another yeah. college. I mean, they're making they're making tough decisions, but I mean a lot of them have made, you know, a lot of them are making a lot more than I ever made before I was 30. So there's sympathies at a minimum. Nope. No, you gotta you gotta you gotta earn it. And uh and they yeah. are trying to do that at Alabama now, all of the coaches and the players. So Tim. Uh, lots of stuff for you guys to cover, and uh, we, we, we anxiously await you guys breaking that D.C. hire. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. All right, see you, Andy. Thank you. The great Tim Watts of Bama Online, and interesting to see what Kalen DeBoer does with that D.C. hire. Kane Womack, I think, would be a really good one, and yes, they did work together for one season at Indiana. One other piece of news that I should have mentioned at the beginning of the show, we had some fun with it with Pete Nakos yesterday. We, we we're pretty sure this was coming, but things had been pretty weird with this guy, so we weren't sure exactly how it was going to go. Caleb Williams went pro today. We were pretty sure he was going pro, but Caleb Williams went pro. He will be in the NFL draft, assuming he'll be the number one pick, whether that will be the Bears picking Caleb Williams or trading the pick to someone who will then pick Caleb Williams. I still think he's going to go number one, but he is now officially in the NFL draft. Question is. Will Jim Harbaugh be picking someone or be helping a GM pick someone in the NFL draft? 
We don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. But he did interview with the Chargers on Monday. So only a matter of time before we get a decision. And Jim Harbaugh Watch 2024 will come to a close. We'll talk to you tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.